Welcome to Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, privately owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission has been to formulate a wide variety of litters for all types of cats, so they keep using their litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. Dr. Elsie has also created clean protein, wet and dry foods that are specifically appropriate for a cat's nutrition needs. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give your kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. Often sharing my conversation with feline expert Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, along with other cat authors and experts. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, which brings together short films from around the world that celebrate kitty cats. The festival premieres every fall in New York City and then travels to theaters across America and Canada, with a portion of every ticket going to local cat welfare organizations with the support of Dr. Elsie's. I've asked Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, my marvelous co-host on Cat Chat, to listen to the show that I did with the lovely lady who had the cat pooping on her kitchen table to ask, did I give good advice? Did I give any wrong advice? Michael, I really appreciate you listening to that show and for people to have a chance to hear what your thoughts are about it. You know, yes, I researched for years to write the Cat Bible. And then I was seven and a half years live on Sirius every Wednesday night giving people cat advice. But I always said I'm not a vet and I'm not a certified feline behaviorist or any of those other letters after people's names, which you are. I don't have a doctorate like you do. So I believe that the advice I have is practical and based in fact and research. But I also sometimes think, who am I to tell them? So I kind of know who I am to tell people, but I'd rather that you tell people because this is what you do for a living. You have Feline Minds, which is a, a consulting practice for people with cat problems. So thank you for having my back, as you do so often on Cat Chat, but also giving some feedback on this lady's situation and whether you would have told her either different advice or told it to her differently. Because I'm always the bossy older sister. I don't know that everyone <laughs> loves that. You're more genteel. You're more diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's good to have, you know, kind of a good cop, bad cop in yes, these kind of situations yes. as well. Um, and, you know, the, the first thing I'll say is just, you know, you described something that I think pretty much anybody in our position where we're being asked to fix a problem for someone experiences something called imposter syndrome, which is yes. kind of questioning your ability um, to, you know, am I qualified? Can I help this person? And that's usually because the stakes are pretty high. Like, you yes. know, by the time someone reaches out for help, the cat might be at risk of losing their home or even their life. You're um, absolutely right. Mm -hmm. People who are very upset or, you know, sad or scared. Um, so, so it is, you know, it can be a very high stakes situation. I'd be lying if I said, I didn't myself have, you know, moments of doubt of where, like, I don't know if I can help this person. And usually what happens is through the process of talking to someone and getting more information, that's how you kind of narrow down your hypotheses about what might be going on. But Mostly yeah, by asking those, questions those moments of panic. Yeah, <laughs> and getting more information. I think it's important that anyone with, especially a cat, because they seem to be harder to read for some people than dogs and cats keep a lot of secrets under their armpits you know like I'm going to keep this close to my vest and you're not going to know how I'm feeling or why I'm doing what I'm doing I think Absolutely. that it definitely 
poses a challenge for those of us who are there to support that human-animal bond and support that relationship. But it's only by asking a whole lot of questions, which I often explain to people, I'm not, by my asking the question, I'm not criticizing you. It, there's no implied anything negative. But if you say, well, when did you get it? And how soon did you bring it in the house? And how many litter boxes? And you put it where? And what litter are you using? <laughs> you know, you, you need that information to figure out what's gone wrong in a situation. But it, it takes a lot of courage for that person who is, you, you make a really good point. The human living with an animal who's exhibiting behavior that's unpleasant or uncomfortable for the humans has lived with it for quite a while. And they feel frustrated. They could feel ashamed. They feel nervous and scared. They love the cat. They don't want to yeah. lose the cat either, but they don't want to leave, lose their relationship with their other cats or with their human other people. It's, it's a tricky balance. And you're right. Emotion runs high. So I'm always sort of humbled that anybody asks me, but then as you say, it's like, wow, I hope I'm the right person to ask. I mean, where it has to do with nutrition, I know you shouldn't feed your cats kitty crack, except for clean protein, which was made with that in mind, that it's not highly processed carbs. Otherwise, no dry food. I'm pretty confident and secure in the science and the, and the facts about that, but all this other behavior stuff, each cat is such an individual. So let's talk. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, and I was just going to say, you know, in any of these cases, too, you kind of do have to know your lane. And there are a lot of situations where, and we'll talk about this about this particular case, where you, you know, you want to make sure there's nothing medical going yes. on. And mm -hmm. um, so sometimes people want advice from you that you're just not qualified to, to give or shouldn't be giving because it's, you know, out of your the, even legal purview. That's you know, right. I can't practice veterinary medicine. So um, so I always have to be very careful. And that can be frustrating for people, too, because, um, you know, they want an answer from you and you might be saying, well, go to your vet. And then and um, they've been to the vet, maybe. Maybe yeah. they've been to the vet and they didn't sure. get satisfaction, but maybe they didn't sure. have a good communication with the vet about what yeah. the problem really was. I will say that this case that we're about to talk about, about the cat that was willing to use one of the five litter boxes for pee but not for poo and had chosen the kitchen table. And at some point in her first email to me, she said, I'm just thinking I should get rid of the kitchen table. And I'm like, no, this is not a redecorating <laughs> issue, right? But, you know, you kind of – people, you lose – it's like if you have pain somewhere, you forget, yeah. oh, just an Advil and a Tylenol will work. Or, hey, I forgot to stretch. You know, you're sort of your mind blanks out and you just don't think as rationally or logically or productively as, as you might otherwise. And people are in psychic pain when they're in these situations. She did have, she did take this cat to the vet more than once and it had some low-grade infection, which uh, maybe urinary tract that it was um, medicated for. But we, we should probably precede any advice to specific people to say neither of us is a veterinary medicine person and anything that could vaguely have a veterinary, uh, something, a rule out, rule out the various things that could be wrong. You got to do that first. So having said that, let's talk about this fifth kitty comes into a home and there's one cat in the home who the owner calls aggressive, but it turns out that cat might be feeling under some kind of threat too. So what was your thought about the situation? Maybe recap the situation a little bit and, and how you would have approached it, maybe differently than me or maybe not. Yeah, so we've got a situation. There's five cats in the home, um, which, you know, the more cats you have in the home, the increased risk of conflict between at least two of them, right? So, right. you know, depending on the cats, um, 
maybe depending on how they are introduced and, you know, definitely dependent on the resources in the environment and the cat's ability to choose to avoid each other or their ability to access valuable resources like food and the litter box without feeling threatened. Um, and then we've got one cat who, like you mentioned, is using the litter box for urination but not for defecation and is choosing to instead defecate on an elevated surface, which is the kitchen table. Um, I don't remember how long the problem had been going on or how long. I it, um... think she said a year and she'd had the cat maybe two years, whatever it was, okay. as with so many of these cat problems. I remember someone calling into Sirius on to, to cat chat all those years ago and talked about the cat peeing in her husband's shoes. And I said, oh, my God, when did this happen? And she said, oh, well, it's been about a year. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. my goodness gracious. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, so... it's been a while. Right. And so that's always a challenge because the longer a behavior goes on, the stronger that behavior pattern becomes. And so, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned like, just get rid of the table. Well, the problem with, you know, just, um, just getting rid of the spot the cat is eliminating instead is that you haven't addressed the underlying reason right. for the right. problem. And so usually those cats just find a different place to, um, to do this behavior. Maybe she'll just switch to the kitchen counter. Well, you're not getting rid of your counters. That's a major remodel. <laughs> so, um, so regardless, you know, my first thing that I have to say is that mm, the vast majority of the time when a cat is defecating outside the litter box, there is an underlying medical issue, and it may not have been diagnosed yet, but I'd say constipation is a huge issue, Wow, very underdiagnosed in cats, and a huge contributor to defecation outside the litter box. So my first thing would be to um, usually when someone comes to me and they have a situation where the cat is only defecating outside the litter box, I will not take the case on until one, they've seen a veterinarian, two, they've sent me photos of the cat's bowel movements, and three, they've sent their veterinarian photos of the cat's bowel movements because the vet can't always um, assess like what's going on with the cat in, at a veterinary visit if the cat has right. recently defecated, right? So, um, so I always want to make sure that the cat is having comfortable bowel movements. There's no um, difficulty passing stool. Um, they're not having like, you know, any type of diarrhea or soft feces. And a lot of people honestly don't know what a normal cat poop looks like. <laughs> so, well, that's interesting um, so, because yeah. in humans, constipation doesn't mean even difficulty so much as it means hard, dry, small stool. And that's not the case in cats, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, I ask people to send me even video of their cat eliminating because, you know, you want to look for, you know, is the cat really struggling to poop? Um, right. How, you know, is there, are there a lot of segments, um, which would suggest a lot of constriction of those muscles to pass the, the bowels versus like, what we want to see is like a, a long log, a tootsie roll without a lot of, um, a lot of uh, segmentation. So, um, so that's always kind of the first starting point. It can be very frustrating. I mean, like I said, I've had a lot of clients that I've ended up sending, you know, back to their vet and they've ended up going to like an internal medicine specialist. Um, sometimes it's a very, you know, simple, like, yeah, the cat's stool is a little hard and dry and maybe they need some, you know, a different diet or um, a stool softener. But, you know, a lot of cats do have more serious problems. So, you know, my other question was like, well, how often is the cat defecating? And so right. if they say every other day, that's a big tip off as well. So, not that's you know, not frequent enough. You should have a bowel movement a day if you're a cat. We usually want to see a bowel movement a day. Of course, there's a huge range of what's 
healthy or normal. So, you know, again, I'm not diagnosing like if your cat doesn't poop once a day, but it's like if your cat's not pooping once a day, talk to your vet, take them photos of their bowel movements. If they're pooping outside the box, they should, you should be able to, you know, if it's happening every day, you can definitely get pictures and have your vet tell you where on the Bristol scale your cat's poop falls and whether or not that could be. Oh, hello. Excuse me. There's a poo scale. (laughs) Now, see, this is why I love being in this in this world. As much as I've learned, I never stop learning something. Okay, first of all, may I just say, I totally missed this issue of constipation. So that advice from you is invaluable. It's, and all of these pieces of it that you're talking about, not the pieces of the poo, but the pieces of the picture and the yeah. video even, and the body language of it is really interesting. But there's a poo scale? How do you spell <laughs> that? Is. Oh, my God. I love learning something new. Are you all taking notes? You yeah, could so actually Bristol, rate like your cat's poo. Oh, yeah, my so, God. And it's, um, yeah, it's B-R-I-S-T-O-L. So if you Google Bristol, um, I don't know if it's poop scale, but um, it, it might be stool or feces. Okay, you know, I want to right. say any other words for poop, but, yes. um, but you'll find it. So, I um, mean, it's got pictures of what, you know, wow. healthy poop looks like and what variations are. And like I said, you know, um, and so the other thing, too, is like, you know, even if that's not the only cause of the the behavior problem, it could be a contributor. And so that's the other thing is that there's not always one simple right. like, oh, well, mm-hmm. just fix this and then everything's right. fine. Like, you know, sometimes the cat has... Uh, maybe learned an aversion to the litter box because they've had a few painful experiences when they're defecating. So even if that's not what's currently maintaining the behavior, it could have been what kind of started them deciding like, oh, the kitchen works, the kitchen right. table works too. Right. Um, and then you toss in the stress between the cats. I mean, that's so that's the other key fact in this presentation is the, the elevated surface. Um, right. So in that, you hit the nail on the head, which is just the cat feels threatened. The cat does not mm-hmm. feel safe pooping on the ground. Um, they want to see what's going on. Um, and that could be due to just the nature of the relationship between the cats. No matter where they poop, if they're on the ground, they're not going to feel safe because they can't see something. Or it could be where the litter boxes are located. So I do encourage people to kind of get down on the ground from their cat's perspective and look at, if I was in this litter box, what can I see? Is there a door blocking my ability to see in the hallway? Or is there a piece of furniture that's blocking my ability to see if there's a cat, you know, lurking in the distance somewhere? Um, So I always want to know what's the cat's vantage point from where their litter boxes are and what's their vantage point from where they're choosing to go instead. And like I said, an elevated surface usually does give cats a much better view of whether they're going to be interrupted. And you also mentioned in your response to this woman that, you know, pooping does take a little longer. It's yes. a little more of a vulnerable moment for yeah. cats. They can't yeah. necessarily just dash away midstream right. or anything. So, right. um, so it can be more of like a commitment, like I'm going to stay here. <laughs> um, so then the question is, can this person provide the cat with an elevated litter box? Um, it doesn't have to be on the kitchen table, although, you know, I sometimes do start there to see if the no cat will kidding. use a litter box if wow. it's in that spot. So is this about the litter box or is it about the location? So we're really just trying to rule out different possible, again, hypotheses, right? And so the question is, is this about the cat being able to see or is it that they really don't like that litter for pooping, even though they might find it acceptable for peeing? Wow. So, um, so we might, like I said, offer the cat an elevated box, maybe on something like a coffee table um, or something sturdy, um, like a storage chest or something, Um 
and then, okay, does that solve the problem? Like, is this really just about um, being able to see what's going on? That's if so that doesn't interesting. Fix the problem, then we might have to look at different litters, right, and, and do an actual trial where we provide the cat with several litters simultaneously in what I call a cafeteria or a buffet, <laughs> and then you let the cat kind of the cats tell you which litters they actually prefer. And some cats do prefer a different litter for urination than they do for defecation. So, oh, my um, God. Well, I just want to say that Dr. Dr. Elsie's is the sponsor of this show. Mm, and they make yes. many, many different litters. And oh, I yes. was told over the years in shelters that they use Kitten Attract and Cat Attract, which has attractive herbs, not the bad human attractive smells like pine and lavender and citrus, all of which cats hate that are put in a lot of commercial litter, but that a lot of shelters use it for cats that have been given up because they wouldn't use the litter box. So the shelters start over, and you can actually retrain a cat to like a litter box by offering a litter that is apparently the most cat-friendly. Then there's other ones with different textures to them. But the reason that a company like Dr. Elsie's, when he's a feline-only veterinarian, has so many choices is that pe- people, cat people, I mean the the cats, are re- can be some can be super picky. Yep. They really do like a different feeling. I'm not sure that they love the ones that are made of nuggets of ground up newspaper or corn, you yep. know, or some people use, I don't know, something you scatter on the driveway when it's icy. I, I think it's better to probably use a litter that's really engineered for cats. And another thing I want to say about diet is that if constipation is part of it, and you're feeding only dry food, so please, could you stop feeding only dry food? You know, I'm never going to stop saying that. Feed whatever <laughs> wet food you can afford in a can or a pouch. But in addition, Waruva makes a pumpkin, and they make several of their cat foods that have pumpkin in them for cats that need more hydration because pumpkin is super good for digestion and for hydration. It's the famous ingredient, and don't go and buy pumpkin pie mix either because that's not good. So... That, that is a wonderful way to, you know, begin to make sure that the whole digestive tract is working well. And if even it wasn't constipation, more fluid in a cat is better in their gut. I mean, it just, it seems to be better. The, the other thing, Michael, before we, we wrap up, is the idea of elevation being so valuable and important to cats generally. And I know we've talked about it before, yeah. and I, we should probably do a show just on elevation, but your hypothesis and mine about the elevation giving peace, giving security, giving confidence is something to remember in every aspect of your cat's life, not just the bathroom part of it, but all of it. So thank you for for your very smart idea. And I love knowing about the Bristol scale, being the geek (laughs) that I am. I am just going to go study that Bristol scale, and I hope many of you will do too. Thank you, Dr. Maria, Maria, Michael Maria Delgado. FelineMinds.com is such a great resource for those who can get your help. And if not, just come find us here. Write to us at RadioPetLady at gmail.com. We will put our two heads together and come up with solutions for your kitties. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and appreciation of cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, which created their own clean protein cat foods, inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey, to better satisfy a cat's appetite with ingredients naturally intended for her body. 90% of the protein in clean protein is animal-based, not plant-based as in many cat foods, which can compromise cat's health. 
Clean protein is the first dry cat food I can personally recommend as a healthy choice, although I always hope that wet food will be your cat's primary diet. Thanks again for being here.